0: When speed is important, as it is in all startups, it's essential to have a bias for action. It's easy to get bogged down by overthinking or waiting for more information to make the right decision. In many situations, it's simply better to just move forward, try out ideas, and see what can be
1: learned. I'm Jason Gore, and I'm here with executive coach Robert McNaughton. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I think this you know, fits into uh, not letting perfect be the enemy of good, that mm-hmm. we need to be able to move forward, especially when we, like you said, when speed is important, as in when we have clear milestones, we need to be moving the ball down the field. We can't let just, you know, spinning around and ideas be an excuse for inaction.
0: Yeah, I, I like that in terms of the the enemy. What was it that was the enemy, Robert? You just perfect. Said? Perfect. Perfection. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I kind of think that a similar way to say that would be knowing what to do is the enemy of action. Like a lot of times we just don't know what to do. We don't have the data. We're shooting in the dark um, and it can really lead to decision paralysis where nothing gets done. I think the point of this is asking that key question of what can we do? What small step can we make? How can we move the ball forward even in the, lack of knowledge and the lack of data.
1: Yeah, and in many ways, there needs to um, sometimes be a context of that these are experiments and that we're gathering data and Mm -hmm. that it's it's not always about just finding the shortest path from here to success, but oftentimes, you know, uh, uh, you know, go slow to go fast, but it's like we have to, we have to try things. Yeah. See what happens. Let me be clear that
0: we're not talking about manned spaceflight here, where risks are not an option, right? Or a safety at a petrochemical plant where experimentation is not something to be considered. Um, We're talking about places where we can learn things and the costs are not human lives or the cost of a company. It's like, how can we move forward and get the information to understand how to move forward even more effectively?
1: Yeah, I totally agree, and, and this is where you know, the concept of rapid prototyping comes in, where we know that the first solution anyway is only going to be an alpha or beta at best, and that there's definitely going to be iterations anyway, so we might as well go ahead and start iterating.
0: You know, there's a game that I often will play around decision-making where I give these groups of four a, a task, You know, whether we build a tower or we build a boat to cross a moat, whatever the task is, and the executives they always plan and plan very thoroughly and then you see them rushing at the end and their ideas and plans actually kind of fall apart and they're scrambling and oftentimes they don't have time to get across the line to finish whatever it is that they planned but more often than not their plan actually wasn't even a good plan whereas the, the engineers are kind of the same it's the people that are just used to trying things out. They start building and playing and, and learning. And not only do they have a prototype like built within a few, the first few minutes of the exercise, they've learned so much. Those are the teams that tend to win at these decision-making exercises.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. And you know, one thing that comes up for me here, Jason, is that this is part of having a trusted system you know, entrusted culture in some ways is that what we don't want to have happen is, you know, my manager tells me to do something and then forgets to let me know that it's not important anymore. And I've just been spinning my wheels for a long time. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah. No, no, we dropped that project a long time ago. You know, there has to be some, so there's some other dependencies here um, that like keeps the system uh, in alignment and integrity so that we can rapid prototype so that we can keep iterating. And so that we can make mistakes, knowing that we're making mistakes.
0: Um, Let me throw another example here, Robert, which is like, um, oftentimes someone will say, hey, build me a presentation. And the person will come back with all this data. And let's say there was a CEO making the request. And they're like, whoa, this isn't what I wanted at all. Like, I wanted something completely different. And meanwhile, this person had put so much time into this. Whereas if they said, hey, take a day, sketch out your ideas. Let yeah. me Give me something to react to so that I could then give you some more input and say, wow, no, you're off. You're on. But that takes two things. It takes one, the sense of the prototyping, that sense of risk taking, which is something you just spoke to. But also it takes a kind of a deadline that might be more aggressive than you could accomplish if you were trying to plan this whole thing out. Like, so this, this set of milestones where we're going to experiment and then we're going to get some feedback. And that second piece of that milestone seems super important to rapid prototyping to say, hey, this is the point in time where we're going to check in and see what we learned.
1: Yeah. I had a great manager a long time ago who, who would say, uh, who would often just say, you know, can you hammer out a straw man on this this afternoon, you know, and, and send it to him and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll break it down tomorrow. And it's just like, yeah, let's just get our thinking on paper. Let's start getting the, the, the wheel spinning on it. And then we can actually have something to, to chew on and be more informed. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and same thing, you know, we're talking about rapid prototyping, but another way this might manifest is around like big decisions. Like we had one client where they were deciding between two different organizations to do a diversity training and they had like 600 people in the, in the company. So this is a sizable investment, but they wanted to, to do basically diversity and inclusion. And one company wasn't going to be available for three months and the other company They weren't so sure about but they were available now Mm -hmm. and they were making this big decision and I said well why don't you just run so you know a small group through the other one like what's the smallest step that we could take to learn and they ran the the group through and the group hated it like literally the CEO said and he's like there's no way we could possibly do this and then they use that information to go back and talk to the other company and say hey how do you do things? And had so much more information and knowledge about what they did and didn't want to, then design the the
1: larger rollout, which would happen several months later. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example of uh, you know when this can work effectively. And but if I think about the costs, you know, to to a leader, to a team, when someone doesn't have this capacity to have a bias for action, is is often just a, a decision paralysis. It becomes a, a really convenient way. To not make progress, to not get work done and just like really waste resources where it seems like wasting resources uh, when we're, you know, it's like, well, we haven't had it figured out yet, but no, we're actually wasting time, not moving the ball down the field.
0: Right. And then everybody else is kind of sitting around waiting and the frustration that happens, the not knowing actually has a cost. It's not that we're just saving money by not doing something. There's actually costs to the organization for that waiting, for not knowing, for that. The conversation that keeps on coming up, that influences all the other conversations, like, well, we don't know this piece. And so then we have to design around that rather than, okay, how can we get to information as fast as possible?
1: Yeah. Well, great. Let's keep breaking this down even further just to, to, to really unpack it. And, like, what do you think are the main things that get in the way? We've already said this a little bit, but, like, what, what has a leader, like, not have a bias for action?
0: Well, one thing I see is when people come from a more robust or more mature company into a startup, they want to have a 100% solution. And in some environments, that's really important. In startups or other really fast-moving organizations, 100% solution is not what we want. Totally. it's We're organizing around speed. And so they have to let go of perfection. They have to let go of a standard that's really high. It's like kind of getting to that 80-20 rule and understanding that they're not going to get beaten up for experimentation and perhaps negotiating that in advance of what's the risk tolerance and what's the speed cost, you know, quality ratios that we're going for here.
1: Yeah. Um, I've, I've, you know, had this experience, it's, you know, often happens in, in nonprofits or in, in other kinds of progressive organizations where there's, there's kind of an airing towards a consensus kind of decision-making model where like, we want to like, make sure everybody is a yes to this before moving forward. And that can just make it impossible to ever move things forward that it's not, it's not about that. We don't want to include everyone's perspectives. It's just that we want to have a bias for action and not, not let the perfect solution get in the way.
0: Um, And in those consensus environments, you know, asking that question of what data can we collect to actually inform this decision um, so we could get to consensus is, you know, another way to look at it. But, yes, I agree completely. And the other big thing is, you know, when we try to, like, do the whole picture, you know, and especially in the startup world, like, we actually don't know what business or what product we're actually selling early on
1: for sure. Yeah, it's think, we do. Uh, we might want to check that.
0: Um, you know, I had a product company that they expected that the people that were going to be buying their product, this was a, is this was like a, a physical, op, uh, uh, a physical lock for windows so that windows can be kept open. No, um, they had a supposition that the people that were going to be buying this were going to be um, people in low-income environments that didn't have air conditioning um, turned out that they ran an the ad and you know targeting those individuals and it didn't succeed at all. But they got some pet owners that bought this. Nice. And it was like, huh? And it turns out that they reorienting their their whole product instead of being security to keep people out, <laughs> it was it was pet safety to keep you know pets in, uh, which they didn't see coming.
1: That's really good. That's an example that kind of speaks to a lot of different things, and you know, the capacity to be flexible, to to you know, have the humility to to not think we know what we're doing ahead of time. It's like one of the greatest business pieces pieces I got a long time ago. Was was like you never want to just have this brilliant idea and like go into a cave for three years, you know, and develop your master plan and just think that the VCs are going to line up to give you money. You want to get a pen and paper. And, and see if you can bring your solution to market right away and see mm-hmm. if people are interested in it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's how a leader does as well, is what can we do to test
1: out our ideas, get data fast with as few resources as possible. Mm-hmm. And then setting up like the, the accurate check-ins to monitor how it's going, like have yeah. actual metrics, ways to measure this, um, even build in... Uh, ways to remember that we want to go back in this it's, it's fine to create new policies in an organization. It's fine to uh, Try out new systems, but we want to be able to go back and evaluate how they are doing and remo- Remove them renegotiate them uh, as needed.
0: Yeah, you know the metaphor that I really like is American football where you know the when you look at what makes the clips at the end of the day it's usually the long passes, the big, big moves where right. you get a lot of yardage really fast, you know? But when you look at the teams that just are really good on an offense, they're moving the ball down the field three, four yards at a time, just in a very, very consistent way. It's, they have reliable plays. They're just pushing the ball forward. That's how I think about this practice. It's how can we just reliably move the ball down the field um, and get more information, get better and better and just make steady progress rather than going for the the big, you know, big decisions, the big throws.
1: Yeah. These old cliches like, um, you know, slow and steady win the race are, are cliches for a reason. They work. And mm-hmm. uh, yet they're not the attractive, you know, thing that kind of, you know, seems, seems the most sexy at the time. But that can be, we can let mania get in the way of actual, you know, sustainable, healthy process.
0: You know, one of the other things that um, this is kind of, Slow and steady wins the race, um, which is not what we're really saying. We're saying rapid prototyping. But when you actually do it, it looks like a series of small moves. Yeah. That accelerate. Um, but one of the things that's really interesting about it is that as you're, mo- as you're trying things out, you start understanding, well, what happens when, what does success look like and what happens next? Like people are actually really bad at planning. Like so often I'll see like race, 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 you get something done and you get there and you know, it's like the bridge isn't built yet. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how do we get across this chasm? But when you prototype, you tend to uncover those problems earlier. Wow, I didn't think about this. Um, all of a sudden like you realize, oh, there's a big legal concern. I was about to send out 3000 emails and I just realized I can't do that. The mm-hmm. more reps that we get, In doing anything, the more we're going to see those other
1: issues that are going to sideline us in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and this gets into just real strategic problem solving in so many different applications. Mm -hmm. It can seem like we have these big monumental issues and things that are in the way of our success. Like we have to build this big AI to revolutionize this particular industry we're in, and it seems totally intractable. But I, I, I think of the that the great movie *The Martian* uh, with Matt Damon, which is, of course is is a, is a fiction, but he's saying, you know, he's like he's like got to survive living on this planet. He's like, you just begin solving a problem that you can solve. You start <laughs> somewhere, and then you you can get traction, and then you can get moving, and then the problem actually becomes something that you can you can entertain. And you don't get into that decision paralysis.
0: Yep, and I think that fiction is so relevant to so many people in the world that are doing something that's ever been done before. The key takeaway here, Robert, seems to be that just taking the next step can reveal important information and learning. So instead of getting into decision paralysis and getting stuck, just look at how you can move the ball down the field in small steps.
1: Yeah. Here's to progress. Move forward. Thanks, Jason.
0: Thanks, Robert. And to all the leaders out there, we hope this conversation has been helpful.